Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome back to Headliners. I am still Simon Evans. Joining me tonight, I have Diane Spencer and Eric McElroy, not McElroy, which is my old physics teacher, and it just keeps coming back every to time. me every time. Does, does it still annoy you, or have you learned to live I've with just, it? I've given up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it's spelled wrong for McElroy. And of course, so. Diane Spencer, you have some sort of uh, like celebrity association with that name, but I guess that's, fa- that's fading away now. Nobody remembers her by that name. Oh, though. no, people still do. Do they? And do you know what? Uh, when I was younger, um, because of the popularity of EastEnders, right. um, mm. I was, uh, you know, I am. Diane Spencer is in The Princess of Wales, but yes. I looked like Bianca from EastEnders. So yes. it's all Bianca. happening. Yeah, Bianca! <laughs> yeah, and the last throws of the Cockney. Now gone. I think they are, there's a preservation order on the last three or four remaining companies, but back in the 80s, that was still a viable proposition. Was she one of the ones that became a coke casualty or not? Bianca? Oh, my word. No, I don't Does believe remember, so at all. Remember them. But I remember she recently got very annoyed with an interview and she said, this is a load of rubbish, I'm gonna stop. And she just stopped the interview on live television. And I think that that takes a lot of spine. I like that. Typical redhead. So uh, let's take a look at, I was gonna say tomorrow's front page is Thursday's front pages. You might be watching this at any point during the week. We start with the Daily Mail who have a a story concerning Rish's change of heart concerning the energy windfall tax plan. They are investigating that after all. And also, British actress found guilty of abusing girl 13 with martial arts husband. She's pictured with Benedict Cumberbatch, but that is not the husband. I want to emphasise that. The Telegraph next, we have a picture of Boris in a boat with, I think that is the Swedish... Uh, Premier, or opposite number anyway, and they are discussing the Nordic deals, which are in the offing. UK would help Nordic nations fight the Russians. Boris has said we are literally and figuratively in the same boat on this. There's also, I noticed, a little box down the bottom. Michael Deacon, their sort of uh, columns, common sketch writer and so on. Meghan running for president would be a dream come true for Trump. That's the first I've heard of that story, which is intriguing. The Guardian have gone with a quite striking front page in which they are talking about, I think, an exclusive. They claim to have seen uh, documents which reveal that uh, big oil and gas companies have in in mind some carbon bombs, by which I think they mean uh, not actual bombs, but rather exploratory uh, projects, which would trigger a climate catastrophe. So there's a good deal of scaremongering going on the front page of The Guardian. The Financial Times, as usual, is uh, a morass of deep and dense text. Uh, (laughs) Brussels threatens retaliation if Northern Ireland protocol is ditched. We will be trying to unpick that one a bit later. And it's offset by a picture of a lovely watch, bottom right. Um, We have the Daily Mirror, the Tories... Uh, once again proving to be a little bit cloth-eared in their uh, approach to poverty and hunger. The poor can't cook, uh, says a Tory MP, Lee Anderson. Uh, William, don't let Kate get broody. Uh, That's the mirror themselves proving slightly cloth-eared in their (laughs) advice and wagging tongues. We'll certainly be taking a look at the wag of the Christie story, of course. The Times has uh, the Duchess cracking the Times crossword 
slightly solipsistic for a headline on the front page, and UK troops will defend Scandinavia from Putin, according to Boris Johnson. And finally, the Daily Star, of course, has gone with the wags at war. I tried to leak story about footballer, says footballer's wife, who denies leaking stories on footballer's wife. If you follow that, then you won't need us. But if you need us to help you <laughs> unpick that, we will be doing so very shortly. Those are the headlines. Let's have a little deeper dive into them. So we start with Thursday's Times. This is with you, Eric. And yep. finally, the wrong tone that we took in 1066 is being corrected. <laughs> we are going back, to, turning back to our Scandinavian roots. It yes, seems. and about time, since I've done the DNA test, I am quite, uh, my ancestry is English and Scandinavian. So oh. this is a bringing together of, of my peoples. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. But Johnson has vowed to defend Sweden and Finland um, against Russian attack as he signed a major security pact linking the two countries as they examine whether or not to join the NATO family. Right. Um, it's 75% uh, of the people in Finland um, have suddenly realized that maybe NATO is a good deal. Yeah. And about half that in Sweden are thinking about it. But in the meantime, this is a bridging agreement to cover that just in case Russia decides that things are going well in Ukraine. So and this, is, this is not an alternative to NATO membership. This, this is, would be like a kind of an entry level. Well, I think it's, it's while they're going through the process or deciding, it's basically putting right. that commitment out there and throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just reflects. I mean, it's I like I, dinner and, and lunch and maybe a, a city <laughs> exactly. break or something this before the initial, the initial yeah. flirtation. I mean, I, I love the idea of a little bit more of a union with Europe. That's right up my well, alley. So. A union with Scandinavia, I'd be bang up for that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was that other shower that we didn't like. But the, the Scandis, I've always felt there's a natural kinship there. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you are with our history. In 1066, there were three possible... Uh, successors to Harold, who were all sort of vying for the throne, and, uh, and William, of course, got it. And 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 from that point on, our fortunes were uh, inextricably linked with with the French, which was, you know, not really ideal, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. Any views on this time? How do you feel about it? Um, I think it's interesting. Um, I like the fact that obviously it's more of the Finnish are saying, uh, let's do this, because clearly their country has mm. got a very long border with Russia. And I feel like because only half the Swedes are doing it, I feel like the Swedes are going, we'll see if he invades Finland first. Yeah, yeah. yes. Then They've got a natural break, that's true. <laughs> Finland have a history, of course, uh, the, the Finnish, the Winter War, I think it yeah. was called, just before the, the Second World War in which the Russians were repelled. Well, it, absolutely horrific. I mean, you think Russians, of all people, would know. I mean, traditionally, of course, it's people invading Russia who mm. get caught out by the winter, but mm. the Russians invaded Finland in the winter. There are still photographs you can find, just Google it, on, uh, on the internet, of Russian troops literally frozen solid. It, like it's it's weird. It's like some kind of you know ice queen you know Narnia type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really terrifying. They completely underestimated the uh, the extent of of the of the depth of the winter. Oh, don't you're making me cold. I'm cold yeah. in here. It was oh, <laughs> brutal, brutal. So that's good. Uh, the next story is from Thursday's Telegraph. This feels like a minefield for a male presenter. So I'm going to let you do the jokes on this one. <laughs> So uh, the um, band member, the band leader of Pussy Riot yeah. has fleed Moscow disguised as a food courier. Fleed? Fleed? Fled. Fled, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Maybe it's because you were thinking of pussies with fleas. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. I was just trying. She's de-fleed Moscow. 
<laughs> she's very itchy, but, yeah. but she's got the collar yeah. on now. She'll be fine. <laughs> um, so Pussy Riot obviously was a, a band that shot to fame after yeah. uh, doing an anti-Putin protest in 2012 in the cathedral. Mm. Um, and... Uh, then uh, a year later, uh, this woman who has escaped, Maria Olekina, Olekina, I think mm. it's, it's pronounced, um, she was effectively under house arrest. Yeah. And she was going to be uh, sent away to spend 21 days in a penal colony. Yeah. Um, but uh, she somehow, I mean, this is really exciting because you've got to bear in mind she's a musician. Yeah. So what, that's what she does. What do you mean, uh, like, a bit dim? Is that what you're suggesting? No, I'm not saying she's dim. <laughs> I was saying that she's, she's not like she Navalny. She's into tunes. No, no, no. Stress. She's trying to sneak away. She's <laughs> singing a song. <laughs> what shall um, we do with the girl lately? There's been some extraordinarily high-profile cases of musicians making a very good fist of escaping tyrannical regimes, as I hinted with that little burst of sound. But she's been helped with um, an Icelandic artist. Um, So it's kind of like the artistic community are having to take their hand at Mm. sort of getting documents, driving people to borders. But she's pretending to be like a a Deliveroo driver or something. Is that what she's come out as? Well, a food courier. So she sort of swapped the uniform of the food courier. But this is also the same mechanism by how her girlfriend escaped also dressed as a delivery driver yeah. and so i can't help thinking there's a lot of naked russian delivery drivers yeah, sort yeah. of going i it happened again like, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way out maybe that's the way you to rescue were, people from russia you're a fan of pussy riot uh, are you familiar with uh, their work overly familiar with their work okay. i know their controversy more than i know their music i actually yeah. had a, look at a couple of videos on youtube they are musically uh, indifferent i would say but so the, the videos are quite interesting there's one which seemed seems it was based in trump's america and it was mm. it was called making america great again or something but it was satirical it seemed to be protesting against the exploitation of the sexual aspects of of young women, such as those who are in Pussy Riot. And this exploitation was depicted quite visually, quite graphically in the course of the video. Oh, my word. I couldn't help feeling was a little bit cake and eating it, but there we are. You know, there's, uh, I suppose you've got to make a living as well as making all these You've got to be careful looking that up. I mean, thankfully, this is not the Houses of Parliament, so you're okay if you're caught looking Well, it's on YouTube, so which is usually fairly safe. It's been vetted. It's like four million hits. They're doing quite well. But I suppose if they get them all out, then they will reform in, I don't know, like Brussels, maybe. Well, they're actually going on tour. Are they? Yeah, yeah, they're going to go on tour uh, and they're going to uh, beginning on May the 12th in Berlin Mm. and they're going to do this tour to raise money for uh, the no well (laughs) well, they cover their costs but then the people in Ukraine as well these uh, food delivery vans don't pay for themselves back to Thursday's (laughs) Times now Eric Joe Biden has issued a stern murmur to Boris Johnson on Northern Irish protocols, which he's very familiar with, of course, ethnically. That's right. Uh, Joe Biden, does, who does have Irish roots, which he's he quite proud of talking about, yes. but also as the American president, and America is the sort of the the, uh, uh, the guarantor of the Good Friday Agreement, he so is. there's a vested interest there. But he's given Boris a good nudge uh, to not walk away unilaterally from the um, mm-hmm. Northern Ireland protocols that are in the Brexit deal. Um, he did say that he pointedly called on the prime minister to show leadership, so he's clearly never met the prime minister. <laughs> Um, but he's, I mean, the article's a little bit biased because the, the U.S. has been also pressuring Germany and France as well to yes. kind of ease on some of the things. Um, but I mean, you don't need to put pressure on Boris. You just need to give him some wallpaper and a cake. 
Yeah. And you've got them in the palm of your hand. He will but... melt. <laughs> it is interesting. This is sort of uh, feels like it might be falling apart after we've been through this once. We thought, well, it had been difficult, but we got there. Well, yeah. The and, sense... and now it looks like the, the negotiations could collapse all over again. And it would be a terrible shame because this feels like some real progress was being made. I remember it was only a few weeks ago the threat level in Northern Ireland, when you were here on that show, mm. the threat level in Northern Ireland had been reduced for the first time in 30 years, wow. you know, which was quite an extraordinary achievement. Don't want to mm. throw that away. But it says in here, the Times is also reporting that, you know, British ministers are ready to give up on the talks, which doesn't mm. feel like a good way to resolve the situation. No, but they always have to say that, don't they? I suppose they did that. I remember it was about 23rd of December. I, I was up on uh, Chantonbury Ring, an old Iron Age fort on the uh, South Downs. Uh, having a bit of a midnight vigil with some friends when my mate got the uh, the text message from his wife saying that the deal has been struck. Mm. You know, they, they, he likes to play 11th hour-ish uh, yeah. that, in that frame. Do you have any views on this? Don't feel you have to have if you don't. <laughs> it's pretty dull, isn't it, to be um, honest? But no, I mean, it's okay. I can't believe Joe Biden has wrapped his head around it. I'm sorry to be brutal about this, but, you know, the old fella's on his way out. I honestly can't believe he's really got any grasp of the, the complexities of this situation. Yeah, it is a very complex situation, and it just... I, I mean, from what I've read, I feel like um, the EU is not coming to actually meet us to negotiate this, the mm. goods that are being stopped within our own union. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but like you said, um, because obviously the eyes of the world are upon mm. uh, the actors in this, you have to bluster, you have to say things like, oh, well, we're going to pack it all in then. So mm. they think, yes. well, if they are going to pack it in, maybe yeah. we should come to the we table. We should probably not talk about it. We might be giving the game away. Yeah. <laughs> Diane, further news of the COVID thaw. Uh, this comes in Thursday's eye, small eye with a dot. Airports getting with the programme now and uh, mm -hmm. introducing the same sort of level of common sense that is almost everywhere else. Well, uh, so this comes in the wake of, you know, we've seen all the newspapers with all the queues of people, uh, people abandoning their luggage and they're fainting. So uh, the Europe travel restrictions, mandatory COVID face mask rules will be axed for airports and flights from next week. Good. Um, so this has come, for, uh, this is going to come into force on Monday the 16th of May. Right. Uh, so anybody travelling after that, uh, you will ideally not have to have social distancing in airports, which will help to ease sort of the congestion and the, the, yeah, the yeah. staggering. Have of they people. still been doing that, social distancing in airports? I haven't been not, one for a Not when I flew a couple of oh. weeks ago out of Heathrow. Yeah. There was a new... Were people wearing masks in the... Yes. Yeah, they were. OK. Oh, and well, on, on the plane... In, on the American side, not on the British side. Right. Not okay. really. It was always mixed. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, it's all out now. I think that's good, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, um, so I, I mean, sometimes on a plane, you do actually want a face mask. So now yes. it's an optional one. Like yeah, if the yeah. person next to you yeah. has just oh, gone a bit want, mad in the duty-free perfumes. I want the full perfumes. bag, as a rule, when I'm on the... Uh, <laughs> well, you want just a bag on your head. bag over the head, yeah. <laughs> And then a pair of over um, but um, I just want to uh, point out that um, the rules of the departure and destination states should be respected. So you do still don't yeah. think that just because, oh, I'm going to Europe, it's fine. Yeah. Um, you still need to check where you're going because coming Some back, they may have, have different rules in different airports. Mm. Yeah. I'm never leaving the country again. <laughs> Eric, Thursday's Independent has full coverage, and this is the one we've been waiting for, the yes. Wagatha Christie trial. <sighs> and uh, finally things brighten up yes. a little bit. 
It's been no. another dramatic day in court. What have we got? A dramatic day in court. There's been tears. There's been accusations. There's been leaks. Um, they need to plug not, some of those. Not in the, uh, not in the witness box. <laughs> I I well, there was tears. I don't know. It was a bit, <laughs> Only from the eyes. It was a bit yes. wet in there. Um, yes, Rebecca Vardy claims that she was just joking when she uh, admit claims that she leaked uh, the, some stories. But so there was some story about Danny Drinkwater. Is that his name? Uh, it's hard to keep up with the number head. of leaks that and are potentially had, there. I but, hope I have a, I'm not libeling him, but um, I think it was him and he had uh, been involved in a drink driving case and she tried to leak yes. that story. And there's a suggestion she said, I want paying, I want paying <laughs> if you use it. And now she's saying, oh, that was just a joke. That's not a joke. No, that's yeah. never a joke. If you say, I want paying. Not when there's a list of about 10 other possible leaks that she's been linked to, yeah. uh, allegedly. I mean, but it seems like the, the article, um, this is in the Daily Mail, it does kind of lean onto, it seems like they're on Team Vardy on this one. Yeah. Uh, because they talked about how she was heavily pregnant and this is the second day of brutal cross-examination. Well, I know when my wife was heavily pregnant with our firstborn, mm. you couldn't keep her away from the uh, from the tabloid uh, hotline. <laughs> Dobbing in our friends and neighbours <laughs> left, right and centre. Are you the big leaker? And of that old number 23, she's no better than what she ought to be. Oh, it's humiliating. And I just thought it's a hormone imbalance. There's nothing you can do about it. You've just got to let it go. But, yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's what she's going to blame it on. But the thing yeah. is, she's sitting there in tears. She's the one who's suing yeah. uh, Rooney. This is always how it starts, though, isn't it? People sue other people, or they threaten them with it, and they yeah. assume they're going to buckle, and they don't buckle, and they end up regretting it. I mean, we've seen it all with, with Depp and, and Heard, of course, as well, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. Never. Just stay out of court if you can. <laughs> that's my advice to the young and the old and the, uh, and, and the high and low. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans. With me tonight, we have Diane Spencer and Eric McElroy. So, Diane, the first story of the second half is to do with uh, food banks. Always a, 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 a welcoming intervention from a Tory MP on this subject. Yes, and per usual, this Tory MP has shown a lot of empathy and understanding for the great <laughs> British public. Uh, so, Ashfield MP uh, Lee Anderson has said there's not a massive use for food banks in this country. Fury as Tory MP says struggling Britons should be able to feed themselves for 30p, but people just can't cook or budget. Did he really say that? 30 pence? Uh, 30 pence, yes. He said that, come to the food bank that yeah. I have in my constituency and I will show you. See, he said... People just, they don't know how to budget, so we give them budgeting lessons, we give them cooking lessons. So if they want to get food from our food bank, they need to be trained how to use it. And it's like, do you know what, sir? <laughs> Not everybody who can't afford food yeah. also can't cook. But can I just clarify, the food bank he operates, is he saying that for third... I thought they were free food banks, aren't they? You, yes, you get but given. He's, he's sort of showing you, he says, right, these are the foods that you're going to be using today. Yeah. And this is how much... I assume this, and yeah. this is how much it costs, and yeah. it works out at... 30p a day. You can't, I mean, that's just nonsense. I mean, I, I know we, you know, I'm middle class, we don't use food banks, and it's probably not even the cheapest. But nobody, you cannot create a meal for 30 pence. You can create a very not you could have good a baked meal. potato. Yeah, yeah. but you Maybe can, you can buy like yeah. bulk pasta. Even then, to actually bake it probably costs could, more than 30 pence with yeah. the fuel right now. You just take one cup of noodle and eat it over five days. Yeah. <laughs> 
and then you'd have enough there. I mean, it seems like this guy's tried to reinvent the phrase, let them eat cake, but he's trying to say, let them eat cake, but they have to bake it themselves first. Yes. That's what he's going for. I can't believe he went for 30 pence. It's, I mean, it's, if you, it's just like it's Can kind you, of, a, yeah. What costs 30 pence these days? Anything? Not a, a chocolate bar doesn't cost 30 I pence? I can't think what you can, you can't get a packet of crisps for 30 no, pence. No, Certainly. gosh, no. I don't no. think you, I don't honestly don't think I've seen anything for 30 pence in a shop for a very long I mean I guess if you bought like a big bag of rice a, a yeah. serving of it might That's be That's what he's talking pence. about. He's talking you about You can't buying... live off that. You need to have protein and fat. I mean you can't just live off of simple carbohydrates. But also it's the same meal be every single day. To be <laughs> yeah. It's the same meal every single day. You'll 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 you you will do wreak untold havoc to your digestive system yeah, as yeah. well. But it's just the fact that it's just so patronizing coming yeah. from somebody who makes about eighty-four grand a year yeah. and he's telling other people, oh no, it's it's because you don't know what you're doing with the food. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, well he's he's set his own cause back by some distance there, I would suggest. Technology ethics news now from Thursday's mail. There's apparently a technology ethics uh, expert. This is you, Diane, again? Right? <laughs> oh, yes. So um, reversing the Trump Twitter ban yeah. uh, will provoke a user backlash, Elon Musk warned. So Elon Musk isn't the one doing the warning. No. He has been He's been warned. warned. It's the passive voice, which always suggests that the person doing the warning isn't famous enough to warrant the story. <laughs> <laughs> Should we find out who that person is? It should be warned by expert, <laughs> yes, which is usually what it is, expert, isn't it? Yep. Well, this is actually um, uh, Kirsten Martin, a professor of technology ethics. Um, Let's go through that. A professor of technology ethics. Hmm. Yes. Ethics. So the ethics. As in morals, not as in the only way is... Uh, yeah, OK. <laughs> 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 technology ethics. I'd like to see what that looks like. And to see thing. Elon Musk get invested That's with like that. That's like Silicon Fen, but out in Silicon Estuary. That would be cool. Well, go on. What has he said? What does he think will happen? Well, she is saying Oh, that, she, sorry. Uh, well, I'm assuming it's a oh, she. Now they, allow women, they allow women to be professors now. i the first female professor of technology ethics to break through the ethics glass ceiling. She, um, she's saying, oh, well, if Musk is concerned that many people were upset that Trump was banned, he should see how many more people would be upset if Trump was not banned. And it's, <laughs> it's like, yes, but yeah. um, the, the whole point is that um, Elon Musk is trying to bring back debate and argument yeah. and, and discourse. Now, of course, you know, when you're inciting people to, vi to violence, mm. that is problematic. Um, but sort of Elon Musk is bringing in uh, the idea of like of semi bans, like not not a full time ban. You basically get you get put on the naughty step for a bit. Yeah. You're not allowed to use Twitter the for a bit. Bin, yeah, the sin bin. Yeah, the sin bin, exactly. There was a woman, I think, again, a woman, a representative of PEN, which is the anti-censorship organisation. Did you see that? There yes. was a quote in the yes. story. A free and speech campaign So group. she was like saying, so what has changed? Do we now have a, a, a lower threshold uh, for inciting violence? Yeah. Well, it was quite interesting. A, a journalist who I, I like very much, Stephen Daisley, wrote in The Spectator today. He gave quite a long list of examples of other tweets which are every bit as much inciting violence as Trump's. Trump made two tweets in the immediate aftermath of, of the uh, 6th of January uh, invasion of the Capitol, whatever you want to term you want to Insurrection. And I would imagine that would be your preferred term, Eric. That's yes. what it was. I, I caught, you know carnival. But the uh, the point is, there have been people, uh, Democratic senators, congresswomen, and, uh, and, and, and any number of uh, 
Twitter, what do you call it, authenticated, you know, the blue check journalists yeah. and so on, who have said things like, this is, this demands a revolution, this is, this is enough is enough, we need to, um, you know, there's all kinds of examples. And be honest, you know for a fact, nothing that Trump said was explicitly endorsing violence. It was, they were reading between the lines in the two tweets well, themselves. The, just the tweets that day weren't um, necessarily explicitly violent, but the difference between those people and the president of the United States, mm. who had been working for months to overthrow his own election and keep himself in office, mm. is why it mattered. And that's what he had been doing and building up until that point. And then they invaded our capital and <laughs> set things on fire and you know came in with weapons, maybe not loads of guns, but it wasn't they exactly. They had weapons. They there, did there have was guns. A story they had they knives. Came with some uh, they bag ties, and then it was discovered they picked those bag Pepper ties spray. up from a. Come on. It was, behave yourself. You know it was an absolute con job. They stood back and let them in. They it, didn't even have a single police it, officer on the door it was, in the building. It was a con job led by the president of the United States. No, it was a con job led by the establishment who were luring them in so that they would have a plausible <laughs> right to be able to say, "Oh my God, can you see what's happened?" Oh, bless. Why? Why did they allow? those guys in when the Supreme Court was surrounded by people who wanted to protest against Roe v. Wade, which hadn't even been overthrown mm. yet. There were like 12-foot-high barriers all the way around the court. Why wasn't there even somebody on the door? Why was the door not locked? Why did the armed... Why did the uh, security officers stand back and literally gesture them in? But, Why did that happen? Wait, wait a minute. You are now talking about an event that has happened post this event. Had... Uh, if, if you've got oh, okay. an insurrection, yeah. then yeah. you're going to go, this place Security's is vulnerable. Gone up. We yeah. need to now put So you don't think it occurred in. to them in, in, in January of I don't think they ever thought in a million years mm. that a huge swelling of people, really? like a huge amount of people, would literally march and plunder into we, the we have We have better security than that uh, the, just at the entrance to Downing Street. And this is a country <laughs> where people have never been anything like as violent in their place. You just had a summer where, where like, thousands of shops are being burned to the ground in Black Lives Matter protests. But that's the thing. They don't assume it's going to happen to them. Mm. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that. However, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in terms of the uh, it, 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 like imposing, I think, fair-handed rules on, on Twitter. I yeah. think that is going to be a good thing. And I don't know whether it's something that should be left in the hands of technology ethics professors or, or the owner, but it's an ongoing conversation. I'm sure we'll hear more from it. Uh, the Times reports on new measures to encourage social cohesion and consensus. Uh, through planning measures, Eric. Oh, yes. So neighbours are going to get the right to vote on housing plans. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this could go disastrously wrong, but basically <laughs> neighbours can hold referendums. Always good results from a referendum. I'm going to start on that. Um, but basically, um, you can vote on the style and the size of the house that is going to be in your neighbourhood. vote on the Conversions, style. yes. Oh. Uh, loft conversion sorts of things. And they're going to have street votes yeah. on these sorts of things. I mean, because you know the old saying about good fence make good neighbors. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining a good street vote leads to bins getting tipped over. So it feels like this is going to be problematic, but it came from a backbench push from Tories who they were going to relax rules. Yeah. And surprisingly, Tories um, who pr probably own more of the houses in the country, yeah. um, we don't want to make sure to make sure to keep others. I out. think it, it, I mean, it does sound genuinely like it's well-intentioned because the idea, it basically, rather than going through very long-winded council yeah. building uh, regulations and, and proposals and so on and committee stages, they just say, if, in principle, every, all your neighbours are happy with this, mm. then you can go ahead, right? 
but neighbors tend to be a little bit conservative on what they'll allow to come along once they've gotten into a neighborhood. So that yeah. might be some of the concern with this on the other side of it. I think, they, I think they intend, I don't know whether they'll be right, but I think they expect and intend that it will encourage people to be able to make the most of their homes because it mm. will lift the values of them. And so they'll all be doing it for each other. But of course, whether that will work, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a terror. I think it's, I, I see the theory, mm. but I've also watched the programme, The Nightmare Neighbour Next Door. Right. And there are so many instances of this, there you can make television programmes about it and they've yeah. got multiple names. Yeah. So, and I, I know people who have nightmare neighbours. Mm. So I think this is... Uh, I mean, I presume if, if you don't get the approval from your neighbours, you're still able to go through the traditional planning route then and say, well, this is, it should have been fine. Um, I'm not sure, not sure on if that. that, yeah, I mean, how it's going to go in the long the possibility term. possibility of, 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 of a government more. process. Imagine, that would be a more significant step if it were. I think yeah. it must be a possible way of getting well, around it, well, yeah, short-circuiting it. Whether they've got, because this was just outlined in the Queen's speech, so yeah. it's kind of at the early stages of a proposal. It is true, though. Some people, I mean, we live in Hove, which you wouldn't think was necessarily like a, well, like a hotbed of, of anything, really. But it, actually, these are the kind of thing. I remember just a neighbour wanted to put in some raw iron across along the top oh, of the wall oh, and, how dare and they? it wasn't being done with the approved style and it, in fact it was more like the Rebecca Vardy thing the neighbour was <laughs> on the he's putting up that raw iron again and it's not oh, the right no. stuff yeah yeah had to all come down yeah nothing oh, worse people than some raw are iron people about each other it's like the Simpsons with the family with the, the scene where they all buzz the uh, remember that to create cause each other pain isn't oh, it yeah. as soon as it starts <laughs> you know, it just cascades back to the Guardian Diane Michael Gove is accused of short circuiting as he turned into some sort of malfunctioning robot on, on GMTV. Oh. Was it GMT or Good Morning Britain or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I urge you, if you have not seen this yet, oh my word. So Michael Gove uh, adopted mock accents while discovering the cost of living crisis. But um, what he seemed to do, he, he seems to be auditioning for voice work. We actually have a clip of it. I oh think this my might word. Be, uh, oh, brilliant. We can Strap see in. something, yes turning it into uh, a major capital letters, a big news story. <laughs> oh, that's what we got. The, the sad thing, because he does that voice, and yeah. then he goes... He goes, big Calm down. <laughs> I, think it said something weird. It was, I think it was the Harry Enfield Scouser he was trying uh, to do, wasn't it? But yeah. uh, it was odd. It was like the, one voice would have been fine if it was just, oh, turning it into a big news story. I can understand that is a thing that people do. But it was where he sort of went through about four or five different characters. It's just, this is not what you're known for. Like, the, Michael Gove, you need, you need to, like, understand that you've built up a brand over these years. Your brand is, is you're the backstabbing guy. That's what you do. Yeah. You kind of... You... Oh, they have found, they found the full version. Oh, oh yes. Sorry, yes. That's, that's what... But that doesn't amount to an emergency budget, um, which is what uh, uh, some people immediately thought that it did. Uh, it is an example of some commentators chasing their own tails uh, and trying to take a statement that is commonsensical, turning it into uh, a major capital letters, a big news story. Um, and in fact, when the Treasury quite rightly say, calm down, then um, people, um, uh, uh, instead of recognizing that they've overinflated the story in the first place, right. then say, oh, this is clearly a split. I, I think it would have it would have been better if he'd had glove puppets, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really enhance it. I think those are good needed. voices. Yes. Calm down. Why does he 
does he think this is appropriate? Why does he think this is appropriate? Now he's talking about the cost of living crisis. He's talking about emergency budgets. Do you think he's been out clubbing all night, Eric? Is no, the this is the thing. 1992, I take you back to a yeah. show with David Baddiel and Michael Gove called A Stab in the Dark. No. And it was a comedy show that they were both in. It was no. on Channel 4. It exists. I've seen clips of this before on YouTube. And this, those were his roots. And yeah. maybe if he'd gotten, it only ran for about four episodes. But maybe that could have changed the course of history. Could have gone either way. And we could currently have David Baddiel in the, in the, oh. in the government. <laughs> that would, but that, that would be better, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Actually, it, he would probably make quite a good MP. I feel sorry for Gove because he is, I think he's a highly intelligent man who just sometimes sort of spins out of control on, um, on, on TV Something. appearances. But, you know. He got excited. It yeah. was early morning. He, gets he remembers it. comedy days. <laughs> Doesn't get back into it. Welcome back to Headliners for the final third. I'm Simon Evans, and with me still Diane Spencer and Eric McElroy. Eric, a little bit of snark in the male's tone on this next story, but I think <laughs> young Ewan is onto something. Yes, Tony Blair's millionaire son, which I did not realize, um, says GCSEs are pointless and it would not be a bad idea for them to be scrapped. Um, so basically he said that there's other ways of learning, there's more dynamic things to happen than going on to university, which was his father's big push, mm. was to really push people into the universities back in the day. Yeah. The thing I love about Ewan being back in the story for GCSEs is he's the young lad, if you remember, that after his GCSEs got a little bit tipsy and ah. was found by the police in a ditch. And when he was picked up, gave someone else's name, if I recall. Really? And, and it was national. It was right after I'd moved one to the UK. One day he biased against them, yeah. Well, it was one day right after I moved to the UK. And, I, and a story like that in America would have been the downfall of a politician. Yeah. But here in the UK, you find a 16-year-old in a ditch and you went, ah, he's done his GCSEs, hasn't he? He's fine. Was, are you sure that was, and that wasn't his A-levels, GCSEs? I'm pretty Maybe sure it was his GCSEs. Yeah. So he, well, um, he was, I think that was, you know, this is not entirely germane to the story, but I do remember there was a sense with Tony Blair that he had a viable family, that that yes. was quite a big part of his appeal. And yeah. I think it was quite nice. I think people, if I remember rightly, he, uh, Sherry gave birth while he was prime minister. He had a fourth child, didn't he? Was it him or Cam? After that yeah. story about they went, they went to some country house weekend and it was, I think it was like, it was leaked from his diary or something that Sherry didn't bring her equipment with her. <laughs> Which was, wow. It was some, somebody was thinking exactly what that amounted to. Yeah, but his kind of fecundity and the fact that they were living mm. almost like a sort of Tolstoyan, you know, enlarging family with a bit of chaos and maids and governesses and, and yes. two viable careers, you know, that was all part of their charm. I think Ewan is actually continuing that. Well, he's, I mean, it's, I think I, it's excellent that I he's, think he's, he's right. arguing back. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, well, A, having a daughter go through GCSEs, and I didn't come through this system, the, the focus and the pressure on these exams, and I think how you cannot, like, in, over the COVID, we trusted our teachers to grade our children. We trust our teachers to teach our children. Yeah. We should trust them to give them grades as well. And the weird thing is about the GCSEs, because part of the switch from O-levels, which I took in 1981 mm. or something, uh, to GCSEs, was that GCSEs was more about coursework and so on, and so yeah. you weren't supposed to be subjected to this hideous amount of pressure at the last minute. Now, that, to some extent, has arguably favoured some kind of people over some other kind of yeah. people. Among other things, it seems to favour women over men. But there is a sort of sense now that actually they've got the worst of both worlds, because although mm. it's not all on the exams, they still have loads of mocks it's, and practice exams, uh, and they live in a constant world of stress. totally on the Instead exams. of being able to enjoy it, you know... I do think something needs overhauling and we need to be a lot less credentialized. We need mm. to be a lot more 
open-minded about what might be a well-rounded, educated person. Do you have a view on this, Diane? I do. I think that um, uh, children should not be forced to stay in education longer than they need to be mm. uh, because I knew lots of children and it was just torture for them uh, when I was a secondary school teacher. Mm. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> Very self-deprecating. Right. So. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I think that the, the fact that we have the internet means that you can actually go into really interesting avenues of self-discovery mm. and self-propelled learning, um, which might not fit into this national curriculum. Yeah. And he made some really interesting points about social mobility. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good article. Yeah. I, th I think it's worth reading. I think there's definitely a lot more options than people are aware of at the moment. And think, mm. you know, there's no alternative. I get 50 grand in debt, come out with a useless degree after three years of, you know, it's not even as much fun as people think it is university. It's all right. Anyway, the music's lousy these days. Diane, the Guardian says recycling targets are not being hit. Maybe they should move a little closer to them, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> well, just move closer to the bin. So England has failed to reach the household waste recycling targets. Um, so apparently we produce 27 million tonnes wow. of waste. Uh, well, we produced that in 2020, yeah. which was an increase yeah. of 2.1%. I mean, not there a we big go. deal. Um, but uh, most household waste, if you think about it, is made up of food, paper, cardboard, glass bottles and plastics. Right. Now, this is obviously a key thing, because I don't know about you, but every time I cook something, every mm. like day I spend in my kitchen, I know I've got a little pile of stuff that I'm recycling, and that mm. pile exists every day, and every yeah. day it goes into the bin. So, mm. I don't know. But essentially, well, the way... The Welsh Government are doing really well. Oh, are Oh, they? yeah, they're knocking it out the park. They're, okay. they're recycling, like, 56% um, of their stuff. They'll be chucking it all in the valleys. You wait, it'll come out. It'll be a scandal. <laughs> sure, that used to be a valley. No, that's always been straight across <laughs> there. Anneth <laughs> Quellin to Trevan, that was always... There was barely an incline. Just a crunch when you walk yeah. across. <laughs> sort of that plastic... <laughs> Wales is just going to get bigger and bigger. The coastline is just going to expand. So then when you say the size of Wales next time, it's going to be a different they size. They should really have a dragon, and that should be like a large, like a like a, an industrial incinerator with a big, like, mm. red dragon's head. Oh you know, that gosh. would make it fun for the kids and a tourist attraction. <laughs> but, of course, I'm suggesting alternatives for Wales, and they're the guys who are doing well, so I shouldn't yeah. do that. Sorry. They're already knocking it out of yeah. the park. We apparently are slipping behind, and there's been some reports that maybe we're exporting some of our rubbish, which we're not supposed to do. Mm. Um, but I think, again, it's a little bit down to individual households. Like, sometimes you have to think to yourself, well, what am I actually buying and yeah. what is the packaging? And some people don't recycle. There is an awful lot of unnecessary packaging, I think, still. But mm. one thing I noticed my parents' generation, or at least my parents specifically, and literally my parents, they don't throw any packaging away. They will find a use for everything, you know, every margarine tub, any, certainly any glass jar with a... My dad used to have a... He had these beams in his garage and he mm. would screw the lid of yeah. every jar that he had onto the bottom of the beams, yeah. and then he could screw the jar into it. Fantastic yeah. storage system. God knows how many <laughs> different washers and nuts and bolts he had in there. Uh, Eric, this is a good old-fashioned crime drama now in Thursday's Mirror, and yeah. uh, somebody being uh, nabbed, a crime lord, a proper old-fashioned crime lord. Cocaine crime lord, cocaine crime lord. Um, but he got caught because he sent a, a picture of himself smiling during lockdown in the garden with a beer in his hand. Yeah. And he sent it to a mate, a fellow person in crime, I assume, um, <laughs> through this network I'd never heard of called Encro, Encro Chat.
chat, which is supposed to be encrypted. Yeah, but, um, especially for thieves. Well, I don't know if it's designed for thieves, but it's been wrong. used by thieves um, because it's supposed to be totally safe from detection and tracking yeah. and all of that. But in fact, uh, it had been set up by the Met, had it? Well, the problem is, is that <laughs> once one of the, his mate was caught, that means they had his phone, then they could track the, uh, what's his name, Leon Atkinson. Yeah. And so they were able to basically do some stings and set him up. And so it, the, the article's got some great little details about the stings that go back and forth. One is that when they were doing the drug deals with the people buying the drugs, who they called the customers, which I don't know if that's the right phrase in that, but they said that um, passengers. They're, they're, uh, the code word was Man City, but it upset the customer because he was a Man United fan. Well, wow, that's the risk with, with code words. Isn't yes, it? you yes. got to be careful. <laughs> got to be careful. The Independent next day, I'm delighted to be able to share news of somebody else's good fortune. I'm sure we all have a warm, fuzzy feeling for them. Oh, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, uh, so one lucky ticket holder has won the 184 million pound Euro Millions jackpot, and it's somebody in the UK. Yeah. And they have apparently come forward and claimed their prize, and that wow. now they have to go through all the checks, which, as you can imagine, would be like a mm -hmm. sort of yeah. palpitation kind of. As soon as you realise that you've won, like, how do you hold on to and the this ticket? This is literally <laughs> a ticket people still buy in news agents or whatever. That's how you yeah. get it, and you just yeah. go, "This yeah. is it. This literally, this piece of paper here." Terrifying. It's, isn't it? it's something about that seems. I know that's always been the case, but somehow cash has moved on so much now. We hardly mm. even handle cash, but mm. lottery tickets are still in paper, easily lost. You can, get them, you can buy them online free. as well. Yeah, yeah, you've got both nowadays. Do you tend to get a digital proof of, of your purchase in? You, yes. You do, yeah. 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 186 million, that's extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, what my, would you do with that? I mean, what would you do? It's too much. It's too much. It's too big it's of too a prize. I don't want to win that, that much yeah. money. I guess I'd invest. Yeah. I mean, but isn't that. <laughs> Try and get a steady income out of it for the last 30 years of my life. I wish they would sort of. I wish they would filter it out more. Like, yeah. so instead of like, say you get three match numbers and you get a tenner. Yeah. Instead of that, why not if you get three match numbers, you get like a hundred This pounds. must be like a multiple rollover and all that kind of business. Yeah, it but still, isn't much, there is some it? way that you can yeah. just squash it down so that more people get more money? And you know, the ridiculous thing is, even if you did distribute it, the, 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 all the evidence suggests that six months after a lottery win, your happiness levels have pretty much returned to where they were before. Yeah, yeah. You're not unhappy, you're not driven mad by it, but it really doesn't change it. It, it, you know, unless you were living in pain or poverty, which you can actually, you know. But, but for most people, if, once you cross a certain threshold, I mean, I know the money gets used for good things with the national lottery, but basically, I mean, there's a famous quote. I don't know if it's the states or here, but a lottery is a tax on stupidity. I'm afraid you're right. Yeah. You have a better chance of beating the same boat over 100 metres than you do of winning. Literally, you do. Yep. Extraordinary levels of speculation in the mail now. This is a charming conceit, though, Eric. Mm. Uh, yes. Which, oh, this is about baby names. Yeah. Um, retro baby names are back. We're getting some Jones, some Ernests, some Gladyses. This is another I love a Gladys. Expert. Is it? This is a professor well, well, of. <laughs> this is well. They're looking at the trends that come through the census, so they okay. can see these words come back and or names come back oh, they into are play. Starting to appear. This is, and okay. they're starting to come through Albert and Joan and so on. Um, I, I mean, which I think a variety of names is great. We yeah. we um because when you have kids, you know, there's a kind of pull back and forth, tug of war over whose name wins. Yeah. I won with both my kids. Oh, wow. Um, I got both. Twice. I won twice because I came up with the better what ideas. Um, well, I don't want to say on TV, okay. but we've got, I'll tell you later. But, um, but they were family names that we got. My wife chose, we agreed on my son is Edward. Mm. Edward's nice kind of alliteration. Yep. His middle name my wife chose was Gilbert because she wanted him nice. to be, because she likes Gil rather than Gilbert. She, you've got to call, give him the full yeah. name. I said, well, you can't call him Gil Gil Evans, because I don't know if you know that, but he's a famous jazz musician yeah. and arranger, Miles Davis. 
it's not quite famous enough that everyone would know, but some people might go, what, what do you mean? Like the Gil Evans. <laughs> so she had that in the middle. And then on the way to the, uh, what is it called? The, 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 the office, you know, where, mm. you, where you read the registry office. I, I decided to stick an Armstrong in, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were literally sitting in the registry office debating whether or not to go with one version of my son's name or another. Yeah. And I, I mean, the woman was just sitting there like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so. Coffee news now from the Telegraph. Look away if this is likely to keep you up. Diane, is this your story? Yes, it yes. is. So the type of coffee you drink can raise your heart attack risk. So some Norwegian scientists have been investigating the effect of your cholesterol levels, uh, the effect that is caused by what coffee you drink. Now, um, they studied essentially people who drink three to five cups a day. Mm. They studied men and women, and uh, they, the cholesterol affects the men more. Mm -hmm. Okay, so men's cholesterol gets affected. Now, if you want no effect, like, or, or, well, not no effect, but if mm. you want the least effect, filter coffee is the best for the gentleman. Mm. So filter coffee, yep. that's what you've got. Yep, yep, that's great. Just for the gentleman? Just uh, for the gentleman and the woman. We, okay. we stay the same until we get to an espresso. Mm. Oh, okay. uh, yes, you see, um, you start off with um, a filter. That's the best one for everyone. Mm -hmm. Then it's instant. Mm -hmm. um, but then weirdly, uh, for the women, uh, you're better off with an espresso, but for the men, it's worse to get an espresso. Right. Okay. So women can get an espresso from a machine. And finally, uh, the last one, I cannot read my writing. What the hell does that That's, say? I don't know, but I just know that like one of those instant spiders that's coffee yeah. and can't write. <laughs> I remember I used to only drink short black coffees until I met my wife and we'd go to the like coffee bar and she would always order like a 20 ounce latte and I would have a an espresso, maybe a, a Americano, you know, just yep. topped up a little bit of... And I went, right, I'm ready to go. And then I'd have to sit there for 20 minutes <laughs> while she sucked them. So I switched to that. I don't know if that's good for your heart, but it certainly put loads well, of weight on. I mean, like, some of these things are the size of a, of a, you know... Well, if I can give any message to the British people, instant coffee is not a cup of coffee. I mean, no. the first time I came to this country and I got an instant cup of coffee, I was like, you're it's kidding me. It's a wartime artifact, but it Ugh. is a source of caffeine. In fact, quite a lot of caffeine in instant, generally speaking. It's, it's the room not stuff. coffee. You might have to get used to it because the Arabica beans are being killed by climate oh, change. that's true. You'll be knowing that. This next story from Thursday's Mirror sounds like an interesting policy at WH Smith. I didn't manage to read this story. <laughs> Properly, so perhaps you can explain. So a WH Smith uh, worker didn't win the lottery, but she did win £25,000 because her boss basically mm -hmm. not for, set her up so that she could had to come into work on a Saturday when she didn't have care for her daughter. Right. She was a single mum, and she said, look, I can't do the Saturday shift because I have no one else to watch my kids. It was mm -hmm. kind of well covered with him, and he basically insisted that she come in, so then she had to apply for How permission. Was How was the kid? Eight years old. So not old enough to leave yeah, alone. Bring them into the shop, it's fine. Well, Those but then you need special health and safety permission. And have you been in W? No. Love all those magazines but, um, with the free comb and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Just stick them with <laughs> the sweets <laughs> and the kid will be fine. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. My kids are in my car right now. So, um, yeah. you know, when you're working, I mean, it's talking about provisions for single parents that they need this kind of support. And yeah. WH Smith should have put that into place. To they help. certainly should. They have sticky carpets as well. These two things might it's not, not be separate. A, yeah. <laughs> Um, we, we've got a couple more to try and squeeze into the end, so we're going to skip straight on to this story from the Metro, which seems to crop up every couple of years, rewriting uh, Baba Black Sheep. But <laughs> oh. this time it's not about race. No, 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 this is fantastic. The, the vegans are rewriting nursery rhymes, uh, which is wondrous. wondrous. They've re rewritten Baba Black Sheep and Three Blind Mice, and in Baba Black Sheep it's now, can I have your wool? No, sir, it's mine. 
That's thin. See, what that is, it <laughs> implies that it's a sort of master-slave relationship, whereas, in fact, the original, that he's saying, no, this is like the correction, no. But the sheep is refusing to trade. Trade is the route to prosperity <laughs> across all species. Well... The sheep actually uh, gets a pretty good deal, generally speaking. A sheep yeah. would struggle to make, it, make a living for itself in this country without the farmer's assistance, don't you think? Dogs to keep the wolves off, all that sort of thing. It's been a fairly kind of interlocking, interdependent relationship. I yeah. don't know, I imagine, Eric, you're... you're I mean, these kind of stories... When, they, when, they, when Peter are trying to rewrite nursery rhymes, this is when, I, you know, the obsession with wokery, I think, is a bit too much. But this is a good case where it is, yeah. they're right. Yeah. They are maybe just being provocative, though, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they're not right to re... They're, I'm not saying they're right to revise these things. They're, I'm saying they're wrong. And this is where woke, woke, woke. This yeah, is yeah. insane. Having said that, you know, sheep have a rough life, uh, they, you know, in the sheep dip <laughs> and everything. I don't know. It's, you know, maybe I could argue devil's advocate. We think of sheep, you just see them, like, nibbling grass out on the, you know, beautiful countryside in the, in the Lake District. Oh, when I think about sheep, I get hungry. <laughs> they are the full package. Go on, Diane. What do you... No, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, where does it end? Because I, I thought of all the nursery rhymes I had when I was a child, like Jack Spratt could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean, but we don't body shame people. Yeah. Like, it just starts That's to become the ridiculous. First, that should be the first target for the vegans. Well, that is all we have time for. Thank you to my guests. Headliners returns at the same time tomorrow. I will be back here alongside Scott Capuro and Nick Dixon. My thanks to Eric and Diane, who have been wonderful guests this evening. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.